The Healing Lives Center is a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation and has the critical mission to strengthen that which God created and values, marriages and the nuclear family. Dr. Gilbert, your host, aims to provide important teaching on tough topics, great interviews and conversations, and tools just for you, all emphasizing a biblical worldview. Join us now with today's feature. Welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I have a great conversation with Stephen Arms, co-author of the book Milestone to Manhood, a Christian rite of passage to help your 13-year-old son make the leap from boyhood to manhood. I love it. I'm excited about this one. This is so important. So welcome, Stephen. Dr. Corey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I've read your book. I love what you've got. I can't wait to share this with, with our audience. Uh, I think this is so, so important. So guys, tell me the kind of journey you and your family went on and your dad and how this kind of came about. Sure. So uh, the book is about a Christian version of a rite of passage. Um, a rite of passage is essentially an event that a boy can look back on in his life and know that that was the moment that I became a man. And when we look at other cultures, we see other examples of these coming-of-age ceremonies, these rites of passages. The most well-known is probably the Jewish bar mitzvah. Another example would be the walkabout in mm-hmm. Aboriginal Australia society, where they send a boy off into the wilderness for three to six months at a time. And when he comes back, he's no longer considered to be a boy, but he's a man and he's eligible for marriage. Modern Western society doesn't really have an equivalent coming of age ceremony. And I think that's one reason why we are failing to develop men who are truly masculine. Um, In the absence of a rite of passage, boys will try to prove their manhood to themselves because no one has ever told them you are a man. So So they're trying to prove their manhood to themselves. And what that might look like is the sexual conquest of women. You know, you hear guys saying things like she made a man, she made a man out of me. Yeah. Pornography, video game addictions. In Mm. a lot of video games, you can literally go out and slay a dragon or kill a terrorist. That totally plays into that male ego of proving yourself as a warrior, proving yourself as a man. Um, Other examples would be joining a gang or uh, doing, getting into violence, you Mm. know, Um, boys, when they are fighting with other boys, they're essentially trying to prove their physical dominance over another man. Mm -hmm. So if I can beat up another guy that proves that I'm more of a man than him. Yeah. Um, ultimately these are all ways that boys are trying to prove their manhood to themselves. And what we argue in the book is that if a father steps up to the plate and tells his son, you are a man. Mm -hmm. then the boy doesn't feel the need to prove his manhood to himself. Um, It really all centers around a rite of passage tradition that has been going on in my family. So my dad gave me a rite of passage Mm -hmm. on my 13th birthday. Um, I come from a family of all boys. So my other three brothers got these rites of passage weekends as well. And really, in the book, we share our family story about how this rite of passage tradition got started and why it's so important for boys to experience one. But it's also a how-to guide for fathers to create a rite of passage for their own son. Um, it's really a uh, an explanation of how to implement this weekend if you want to do something like this for your own 13-year-old boy. So... Question, the 13, age 13, um, how did you guys come up with that age as kind of the the time to implement this um, this outing, if you will? So we argue that 13 year, years old is probably the ideal age for a rite of passage. Okay. For one, it, it it's the same. It lines up with the Jewish bar mitzvah, right? We thought there's probably some wisdom there. They mm-hmm. do it at 13 years old. Um, another reason is that it's a milestone birthday, right? The boy is becoming a teenager. So in his mind, it's already a big deal that he's entering this new stage in life. He's becoming a teenager. Um, Admittedly, you know, 13 years old is a little bit early to tell a boy you're a man, you know, 
typically we don't associate manhood until someone's 18 years old or 21 or 25. Uh, 13 is on the young side, but what we argue is that it's probably better to initiate a boy into manhood a little bit too early rather than a little bit too late. I love right? that. We want That's him to go so through his, we want him to go through his teenage years and his twenties with the full confidence in his masculine identity. Mm -hmm. Um, rather than waiting until he's 18 years old by that time he's probably made some significant life decisions um without this full uh full support of his family and the other men in his life i think that's imperative i think we are actually too late to the game on most issues so that's amazing to think about at 13 if you're prepping them you're actually raising the bar to the kind of person so not even to say man, but person you're going to be as a teenager, where it's like we've done the opposite in our society, where adolescence is a time to, to be stupid and there's just permission to really stay a child. And that goes into their 30s almost, <laughs> it seems like. I, I totally agree. I think that the 20s are the new teens, you know, yes. uh, the 20s are kind of uh, expected to be this kind of throwaway decade where you can mm -hmm. do whatever you want. And none of it really matters when in reality, your 20s is a crucial decade. Yeah. And like you said, there's a lot of decisions we tend to make prior to that that are tremendously life changing, whether it's with girls, whether it's with um, career, kind of vocation, passion, calling. Um, and then obviously the stupid ones, alcohol and other um, thrill seeking behavior in cars. It's interesting to think about rite of passage, though today 2022 where in the past long time ago i guess the way that you kind of knew you were an adult was when you got that driver's license and we're not seeing that anymore we're seeing more and more boys and girls forego that rite of passage into their 17 18 19 20 and even beyond so like how do we combat that like that's weird how it used to be the driver's license now yeah that's a good point i th think uh in the technological day and age that we live in uh teenagers they don't need their driver's license it's not as meaningful as it was uh 10 or 20 years ago because anything you can do uh in person you can virtually do it online these days so you're totally right that 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 almost was a rite of passage in a way that we had that has also gone to the sidelines. And it um, wasn't a very good one know, either. Uh, not a very good one <laughs> at all, but yeah. No, yeah. You know, in, in developing this weekend, my dad and my grandfather who who started this family tradition, they really asked themselves, you know, what is meaningful for a modern day Christian boy for his rite of passage? You know, sending sending a boy off into the wilderness for three months at a time, <laughs> that might be meaningful in other societies at other times. But nowadays, that doesn't have a ton of benefit. You know, as awesome as it is, that <laughs> uh, wouldn't really help a boy make the transition into manhood. So they developed um, seven different rituals that we engage in over the weekend. And these are really meant to be sharing exercises with the boy to formulate his idea of what it really means to be, be a man for the men in his life to come together and share with him uh, what virtuous manhood really is, because undoubtedly he's getting influenced by the internet, by his friends, by the television. So having these other men come together and have discussions with him about what true manhood really is helps to formulate the boy's uh, perception mm -hmm. as he goes through his teenage years and his twenties. Well, and I love in this, oops, there's this book milestone to manhood. I love how um, it was a, not a surprise weekend. Basically it was not a, um, it was, it was planned, but, and it wasn't just dad and son. So who else was present kind of in the the picture that you're painting in this book? Yeah, so for my rite of passage, um, my dad told me that we were going to go away for a weekend on a camping trip, just mm -hmm. me and him. And uh, although that was that was only partially true, it was um, it was a weekend trip away with my dad. But on the drive up, we also uh, we stopped at a diner, 
And yep. in the booth next to us was my grandfather and two of my uncles. That's and so cool. I looked over and I was like, what are you guys <laughs> doing here? You know? And that's when they told me, you're actually not going camping with just your dad this weekend. We are, we've organized this rite of passage for you. And at the end of this weekend, <laughs> uh, you're no longer going to be considered a boy in this family, but you will be a man just like us. That is so cool. That is so great. Yeah. So, you know, really the thinking there is dad is the most important male role model in a boy's life. A hundred percent, you know, mm-hmm. um, but at the age of 13, typically there's also some tension developing between father and son, right? The boy's getting older. He wants more freedom. He wants to spread his wings a little bit. Yep. Um, and so there's this tension developing between father and son. And having other men there helps to break through to the boy in a way that he might actually listen. It might be a piece of advice that dad has been saying for the last six months, <laughs> but just hearing it come out of the the mouth of a man who's not his dad, the boy might finally actually listen. Mm-hmm. So you, for yours, it was uncles and a, and a grandfather. <clears throat> so uh-huh. you're, if your family doesn't have that or you don't have good relationships there or these people aren't good influence, it's the idea is coming together with some key men that can speak biblical truth, godly wisdom into that 13 year old's life. Right. Yes, exactly. There's no uh, set criteria of who should and who shouldn't go. For me, it was my grandfather and two of my uncles, but Mm -hmm. really it should be um, a man that, the boy has a previous relationship with, it shouldn't be a total stranger, right? He should know who this man is um, and have memories of him, you know, Uh, but, and then secondly, it should be a man who you trust to have a positive impact on your son. You know, Mm -hmm. if, if your father-in-law or your dad is objectively not a good example of what it means to be a man, then he should not be invited to go along on this weekend. Yeah. And then what are some of those rituals that were key, like in your book, but also even for you personally, that that kind of resonate even today? Yeah, so there's seven different rituals that make up the weekend. Um, The first one is an entrance ceremony. And just like a high school graduation, which is a rite of passage, has an entrance ceremony, this weekend has an entrance ceremony as well. And for ours, we read a passage out of the Bible. We read um, from the book of Exodus, Moses encountering God in the form of the burning bush. And there's a few reasons why that passage uh, is appropriate, but one of them is the element of fire, right? Moses encounters God uh, in this burning bush. And when we enter into the cabin, the boy is responsible for lighting a fire in the wood stove. And that fire represents God's presence during the weekend. Fire is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And yeah. in in our lives, sometimes our flame of faith is hotter, sometimes it's colder. But what's most important is that we don't ever allow that flame to ever become fully extinguished. Mm-hmm. So that whole concept of the fire representing God's presence and uh, God's presence in our life is explained to the boy in the in this entrance ceremony. Um, and then another ritual that comes kind of towards the, the end of the weekend is called the ribbon ceremony. Mm-hmm. And in the ribbon ceremony, every man has a stick about two or three feet long that he collects from the outside. And on the, on the stick, he has six ribbons that are tied to it. Three of them, he writes down positive character traits that he sees in himself. And then on three of them, he writes negative character traits that he sees in himself. So the positives might be hardworking, loyal, and faithful. The negatives might be greedy, lustful, and lazy. Those are just six that I'm making up off the top of my head. (laughs) Yeah. And then he shares with the group and with the boy why he wrote down what he wrote down, why he sees those character traits in himself. The boy also has a stick, but his stick starts off completely empty. Once every man has shared, the boy goes to each of the men and he unties the character traits that he wants to take from these men's sticks 
off of theirs and he ties it onto his. And that really shows how as men, we have the ability to emulate character traits from other men in our lives um, to be positively influenced by our peers and those who surround us. That's awesome. My, my grandfather, for example, was really good at giving words of affirmation and giving encouragement and building people up. And that is something that I have tried in my own life to implement in the people that I meet, the people that I deal with day to day, you know, with my wife and with my children, giving compliments doesn't necessarily come natural to me, but I see why it's so beneficial and how it's so good for relationships. So Mm -hmm. that's something I really admired about my grandfather and have tried to emulate in my own life. And then the men at the end of the ritual, ideally they're left with sticks full of these negative character traits. And they take those traits, those ribbons, they untie them from their sticks and they actually place them in the fire. And that fire, remember, represents the presence of God. Mm -hmm. So by placing the ribbons with their negative character traits in the fire, A, they're showing their desire to burn away their their negative character traits, that no man is perfect and that we all have room for improvement, but B, their reliance upon God to help them do so, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to be able to improve upon themselves by their own will. They need God's grace in order to become the best versions of themselves. So those are kind of two of the seven rituals um, that I thought are really cool. And um, we write about that in the book. Nice. Neat, neat. And this is uh, like for for the book, you're talking one weekend, not multiple. So all these rituals are all in the same weekend, right? Yeah, that's correct. It's one weekend. Um, It's just one night. So an an overnighter. And like I was saying earlier, you know, the the whole idea of a rite of passage is to have one event in a boy's life that he can look back on Mm -hmm. and remember, you know, that's the moment, that's the weekend that I, I became a man because that's the weekend that my dad and my grandfather told me that right. they consider me to be a man. Well, I think that's critical. I remember being in, in um, so not college and seminary, so grad school. And I got a job as an electrician working in the, in the, um, on campus. And you walk in the girl's dorm. And what are you supposed to say when you walk in the girl's dorm? I don't know. Man on the hall, man on the hall. I Uh couldn't say it. I was like, boy on the hall, boy on the (laughs) hall. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I have no idea whether I'm a man or not. I can't even say the word man and realized how much I had lacked this, this kind of concrete, even though I had finished my bachelor's degree and was, you know, working on two master's degrees at that point. What is it, and especially in America, what is it that puts that stake in the ground that says, I am a man? I think we are grossly missing that that huge thing. Because what I said earlier about um, age 16, get your driver's license, freedom. Now, this is what's freedom. Smartphones. Which is really, yeah. really, really scary when you're handing, you're now an adult to your five-year-old or to your eight-year-old. And then when, when do you actually, as we're really, really doing a disservice to our boys, to our daughters, um, when that becomes the, the, I guess the rite of passage. So this is so important. Um, Exactly. I think a lot of dads don't realize how much influence they truly do have over their children, you know, Um, whether it's delaying and giving them their first phone or their first smartphone phone or holding a rite of passage weekend like this, you know, uh, dads and moms, parents, both have such incredible impact on their children. And we need to be very, um, I don't know if cautious is the right word, but particular about how we are raising our children, you know, um, very intentional. intentional. That's the right word. We need to be intentional. And I think this is the rite of passage weekend is not a cure-all, you know, um, just because you hold a rite of passage, that doesn't mean that your son is going to turn out to be a saint. But <laughs> I but I, I do think that this is one tool in your tool belt. This is, you know, one weapon in your arsenal to help combat uh, the influence of the culture on our boys. 
Well, I know I just saw a friend of mine, the guy that was in my wedding. Um, I'd love to, I haven't talked to him about this. They had a big ceremony or big something at their church. He's a, a pastor. And all I remember on his Facebook post was, thank you for all the men that came out to celebrate my son's coming of age or, you know, becoming a man. And he, in his short little post, it was something about just these people that spoke into his son's life. And I remember immediately thinking of this book and of this conversation and going that we need more um, tools like this when it comes to, so what does a Christian man, Christian family do to help? Like you said, it's not a miracle. It's not a, not a cure or a guarantee to help them launch into, there's also expectations of what it's going to be like to be a man. And we need to celebrate those, emphasize those. Exactly. And that, that brings up two other rituals during the weekend. One is a discussion of what it means to be a man. Good. In this ritual, all the men sit around together in a circle and they each are given 10 or 15 minutes to share with the boy what it means to them to be a man, what it means to be a good godly man. And for me, I remember the advice that was given to me by my grandfather and my uncles. And it was things like respecting women at all times, mm -hmm. being a provider, a protector, having a relationship with God, uh, the importance of honesty. These were all you know, advice that was given to me to help me formulate what it means to be a man. And they always tried to do it in a way, they tried to tie it into a story, you know, because mm -hmm. really, you know, a 13 year old boy doesn't have any valuable real life experience. You know, they are <laughs> just coming out of their childhoods. They don't have any of that wisdom. Um, so if you can tie in this advice into kind of a concrete example, that will help to stick with the boy that much better. So my grandfather, for example, would talk about what it was like to be a police officer in San Francisco for 30 years and how he learned so much about dealing with people through that job because it was so difficult. You know, here he was giving people speeding tickets or arresting people, but he had to learn how to work with people so that they weren't necessarily always, you know, fighting against him. So he learned a lot on that job and he, tried to tell stories about it um, when he shared this advice about what it means to be a man. And then another ritual that kind of goes along the same theme is the gifting of letters. So the boy is given letters from every man that is present, but also from uh, adults outside of the weekend too. So my mom wrote me a letter, my grandmother, my aunts wrote me letters also, my my Boy Scout troop master and my football coach at the time, they all wrote me letters. Um, and, you know, the letters didn't have one specific uh, question or topic, but in general, it was advice about what it means to be a man, um, how much I meant to these people, uh, how much they loved me, you know. And just as in the what it means to be a man discussion, we're giving advice to the boys um, these letters are advice given to the boy in the form of the written word. You know, I still have a binder full of my letters today that sits in my cabinet that I can look back on. You know, I read it about once a year and those letters, as time has gone on, they mean more and more to me because, you know, for example, two of my grandparents have passed on since my rite of passage weekend when I was 13 years old. Obviously, I can't talk to them anymore, but I can read those letters. And it really brings me back to those memories that I have of them and reading their advice and their um, kind of their words of affirmation mm -hmm. really means a lot to me today. Oh, those are so powerful. I love that. I think you you and and your dad, you wrote this together, correct? You and your dad? Yeah. So I wrote it together with my dad. Um, so really in the book, you get the perspective of the father, but you also get the perspective of the son. Right. Love that. And I think this is an absolutely critical book for Christian families, milestone manhood, a Christian rite of passage, which is so critical. The idea of the faith piece of how do we pass on what it means to be a man from a biblical worldview. Um, the Obviously, 
I guess the question I have now is, so how does a dad listening to this or a mom who's listening to this, who this really kind of speaks to her and she wants to see this done. How do you, I guess, put this into action? What's your, your advice? So what we realized in writing the book is that our family has accumulated a lot of, um, a lot of tribal knowledge Mm-hmm. on how to pull off these weekends and what we've decided to do is to put um to put all this knowledge into email templates for your listeners for anyone who wants to organize a rite of passage for their son so if you go to our website milestone to manhood.com you can actually uh get a copy of these email templates which explains what a rite of passage is why you want to do one for your son and then exactly what's what these rituals are that you're going to engage in so um if you go to our website you can copy these email templates we won't ask for your email address they're totally free and then paste it into an email and send it to the group of guys that you want to invite onto your son's rite of passage weekend uh for single mothers for a mom listening to this um assuming that you know there's not a father or father figure in the house i would say for your sons, it's probably even more important that they experience a rite of passage yeah. than it is for boys who have fathers in the house because they don't have that example, that day-to-day example of what it means to be a man and how to relate in a healthy way to other men. Um, so if you're a single mom, I would say identify a man in your life who you trust, who has a relationship with your son, and ask him to organize a rite of passage weekend for your boy. That is actually occurred in our family because my cousin is adopted um, from a single, from my aunt who who never got married. She's a single mom. So she asked my grandfather to organize his rite of passage weekend. And as you can imagine, he was, you know, jumped on the idea and was totally enthusiastic about doing it for him. Nice. And I love this on your website, milestone to manhood.com. You go to plan your own ROP, um, which yes, Rite of passage. I just went blank. Rite of passage. Um, I love these templates. These are so good. Step one, step two, three, four, five. Um, there are your instructions for those listening, where you save the date, explaining the ROP to the men, asking for letters, final email to team, thank you email. That's just such a what a great idea. I love that so much. Of uh, just a great tangible step by step. Here's how you plan it. Here's how it can be done. But yes, for the single mom or a mother listening that you know your husband's not going to do this or has uh, does not is not the example that he would need to be um, solicit. This is where the body of Christ is critical. If you have a football coach or a sports coach that's a that's a believer that has a huge influence, um, some other person, scout leader, you know, instrument lessons person, you know, the person that influences your son. This is really, really critical to to kind of start soliciting those. Um, And I love the idea of asking for the letters because that does give that tangible. There's no way to remember everything that happens in this weekend. But what's happening is you're putting a stake in the ground. Like you said, that kind of a it's a one time event um, that that young man and young adult later and on and on can kind of come back to. So that's so, so helpful. I love that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'll make a a little confession here on the podcast. I used the letters uh, a lot to kind of help me when I was writing the book and jog my memory of the advice that was given to me during the weekend. Because, you know, for me, that was 18 years ago now. So I don't remember <laughs> everything exactly, but right. I did have those letters. So I kind of used those letters to help me w- in writing the book. Nice. That's awesome. That's neat. And that's important. Like, we're not going to remember everything that happens like that. Uh, we can, I guess we could set up video cameras and record everything, but there's some things that need to be left to the experience. Um, and I love the the picture that you have of you're going to a cabin um, kind of a way. There's different ways this could be done. Different families would do different things. But the the intentionality of it is pick the date solicit the the men that would actually speak into that. And I guess it would really asking for letters is like you said, moms, grandmothers, other 
key influences on your son's life. Um, and then execute, have the weekend, enjoy the weekend. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that we found, you know, as we did these weekends uh, for our family, when each boy turned 13, was that, you know, the the older men get to, the older boys get to attend the weekends of the younger siblings too, right? Oh, so, nice. I, because I, when I went through my rite of passage, I was officially considered to be a man. So I got to go on the rite of passage of my younger two siblings and for my younger boy cousins as well. And one thing that we found is that, you know, the men, the older men of the weekend, they get just as much out of the trip as the boy does, right? Because we're sharing about what it means to be a good man, how we can all improve upon our character defects and improve our relationship with God. So the men on the trip, they all walk away with just as much, if not more than the boy does, which is which was a really cool aspect of it. I think it really brought the men of our family together and, and built very strong bonds. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I know I never, we don't have family near nearby. We haven't ever lived near family. And so I've seen how, how critical being someone that lives far from family, other men um, are in my son's lives. And so our Boy Scout troop is one of them um, through our homeschool group. That's another one. Um, one of our sons has continued doing karate for years. And so that the and a key instructor there. And it's like, that's the goal. This is, this is a template for you to then implement. And I love the emails that you have on your website, milestone Um, are free to help you implement a very key um, weekend, which would be life-changing. I love that. Yeah. I call them honorary uncles. Yes, I love that. Honorary uncles. Maybe not yes. Maybe not biological uncles, but they can be honorary uncles. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Wonderful. So this is speaking to manhood. Does a mom do this with their daughters? Yes. So in our family, the the girls experienced a rite of passage as well for their 13th birthdays. And their weekends essentially look the same as the male version. Um, obviously it's the women of the family who take her away for her weekend and talk about what it means to be a woman. Um, but because I come from a family of all boys and my dad and mom don't have, didn't have any girls, we felt like we were not the right people to write that book. Um, (laughs) So we chose to focus our book on the male version of the rite of passage that being said, we do have an appendix in the back on the, the few slight changes of how you would implement this for a girl in your family as well. So Wonderful. the answer is yes, girls can have a rite of passage as well. Yeah, and I think it's critical that we do. Um, but I even even writing it to manhood probably today is more relevant than ever. We are losing our boys. Our culture is losing our sons and it's not okay there's actually been really huge key researchers, you know, Zimbardo and others, big name people that have released incredible writing and research on the losing of boys. And it's to porn, excessive video gameplay and absent fathers. Those yeah. are such a key. And so when we think of our sons, this really, I mean, yes, our daughters are important and yes, but oftentimes things are happening in their life that's kind of facilitating this already. Now, as a college professor of mostly women, because I work in the counseling field, what I'm seeing with women is where we're failing there is we're doing a good job of trying to launch them into a career, but we have devalued motherhood and and being a wife. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's what's missing when it comes to something like this for for the girls but even how many boys are just not getting married? How many young men have had sex, but they have never been on a date? Like, it's so disgusting, actually, and, and sad. Yeah, you know, I think another thing to look at, too, is like church attendance um, for mm-hmm. young adults. It's primarily there's more females that go to church than males do. Yeah, um, I think there's there's something to be said about that. Um, and then the other thing I would say is that when 
when men are acting like real men, when they're acting like virtuous masculine men, then women benefit too, right? Whether Absolutely. it's the girls, the girls that the boy dates, or even just having the boy giving him enough confidence to ask a girl out on a date today. You know, I think that a lot of young people, they don't even get asked out on dates because the boys don't have confidence to approach a girl and possibly get rejected, you know? Um, so when men are acting like real men, women benefit too, whether it's the, the girls they take out on dates or if it's the women that he ultimately marries, you know, the better man that he is, it allows them to be better women. You know, I think which, everyone wins when men are acting like men. Which is crazy. The attack on masculinity in our culture right now, because we are literally undermining the good parts of that. And we yes. are creating people that like to riot and throw things through windows and do really stupid things. And almost celebrating that versus what if it, what if you actually were a real man, let's put it that way that actually valued other people and were a protector, provider, presider. Um, that it's sad that like, what, why are we doing this? Well, it's Satan's having a heyday. Um, but we have a lot of work to do, I think. Yeah. You know, to be honest, I can be, I can be sympathetic to why women and the culture at large um, rejects masculinity Mm -hmm. Because I think that some women have experienced a bad version of manhood from Absolutely. men who have abused their strength. So yeah. I can be sympathetic towards that. And I, I understand why that would elicit that sort of re response. But I think that we've gone too far and we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. You know, there's a really good part of manhood, too, you know, and when when we reject masculinity in its entirety, then we're losing out of the good as well as the bad. So I think that the right thing to do is get rid of this whole false notion of manhood, you know, abuse, uh, taking advantage of people that are weaker than yourself, being lazy, being idle, whatever, however you define that. Um, we do need to get rid of that, but we need to preserve this virtuous masculine manhood. Which, I mean, what you described, that's not manhood. Right. So the, the experience, you're exactly right. So many have experienced abuse at the hands of male, biological males. Yes. Who are not masculine and not, not leaders and not trustworthy. And so shame on them. What was sad is the woman ends up carrying the shame. Yeah. And that should not be. So then it does. It taints every single relationship with and even perception of masculinity, manhood. Really. Yeah, that's a good point. These are these are adult males. They're not even honorable enough to be called men. Yep. And just I like the, there's a lot of people that have made children, a lot of men that have made children, but they are not a father. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And we're almost celebrating that too, when it's like, no, there should be, again, a value of motherhood and fatherhood and caring for this life that you created. Yeah, because children deserve to know and have a relationship with their parents. And then when you think of what we give, masculine and feminine, we give different things. It's not about like who's better or, you know, than the other. It's we give different really gifts to our children with who the mother is and who the father, no matter what personalities you have. Cause you know, my wife and I are very different than some other couple, but we together give a whole that's still not whole. It's still, um, that's part of where the body of Christ comes in and other key people come in. Um, but what she gives our sons is critical and our daughter, what I give our sons and our daughter, um, help hopefully point them in a direction but then there's that crazy free will thing <laughs> that they choose the kind of men or kind of women that they're going to be as they grow up yeah absolutely so how old are your kids um we have two kids uh we have a three-year-old girl and then a one-year-old boy all right so you got a ways to go until you're <laughs> 
passing. This I got on. a ways to go. <laughs> I'm just getting started. Yeah. And Love that's it. actually one reason. That's one reason why we wrote the book now, because my youngest cousin uh, just had his rite of passage in 2020. And okay. like you said, the right of the rite of passage in our family has always been a secret from the boy. So they never knew it was coming. We kind of kept it very hush hush. We talked about it behind the scenes, but we never talked about it in front of the younger kids in the family. But now that the youngest, the youngest kid has had his rite of passage, we thought, well, this is the perfect time to share this tradition with the rest of the world because we do have, you know, a, a eight year gap or 10 year gap before <laughs> we're going to implement this again. So oh, we thought this was, that's another reason why we wrote this book now. That's exciting. That's so great. I love that. And I, and I look forward to seeing how, um, how this affects your family and, I again, what I see around me is a complete absence of exactly what you have in this book. Um, there is not a rite of passage. A lot of other cultures have them. In America, we are very much void. Um, is it when I get my high school diploma? Is it when I drink the first time? Sex? It's all these really stupid, really, really um, meaningless kind of things, almost in a sense. What does it look like? And again, I, I really love that you guys, as a family, it sounds more like your dad and even grandfather, you decided to make this a little, like you said, earlier than you probably sh should have. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's actually really critical because we're catching things too late. Um, so I think this is really critical. It lines up with the books I wrote on sexuality, that to me, that we are, we're, we're, too late to the game talking to our kids about certain topics where we just we need to be earlier when it comes to certain topics of dating and, and relationships and gender and sexuality from a biblical worldview. Yeah. You know, seems, sounds like you're kind of an expert in this subject, but I will add for your listeners that this rite of passage weekend at 13 years old is not the birds and the bees talk. So I personally, I had that talk, I think when I was 10 years old mm -hmm. and um, my dad, you know, took me away for a weekend and had a separate talk for that before this rite of passage weekend. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, when we went on this rite of passage weekend at 13 years old, I was actually a little bit hesitant because I thought, oh man, is this going to be <laughs> yep. birds and the bees 2.0, <laughs> right? Yep. I, I there, it is a little bit awkward to learn about it for the first time and have this conversation with your dad, yeah. you know? Um, but that's not what this weekend is. That that conversation should occur before this weekend. Correct. Yeah, I wonder how I that lines up because well, you've written a book about it. I wonder how that lines up with what you think on the subject. Well, and so the book I wrote for teenagers is called Going Beyond the Talk. It's the idea that no, there is no the talk. It's hundreds of talks that start when the single digits so yes, we need to be planting those seeds earlier, which then would come into this and it would be a perfect fit to not be the birds and the bees, not, but it's still going to talk about who you are, who you are as a man and stewarding your sexuality. Um, what is masculinity, but it's not, and I love that you've emphasized that it's not the birds and the bees talk. It's not the 2.0 of, of that. And honestly, what I tell people is at 13, if you're having that talk for the first time, you're probably too late, very much too late. Yeah, I agree. I think most boys today will have been exposed to pornography before 13 years old. Correct. And I do think that it is important to have that conversation about the birds and the bees or, as you advocate, multiple conversations before the rite of passage weekend, because I did get advice about, you know, what it means to be a man is to respect women at all times and to respect your own dignity, as well as respecting the dignity of the women that you date. Mm -hmm. So I think having the birds and the bees talk before the week, the rite of passage weekend helped me to know exactly what these guys meant when they said those advice. You have somewhere to hang that. It's like in your mind, there's somewhere to take their advice at the rite of passage weekend and go, oh, that goes here because there's prior learning, not just personal experience or experimentation, actual um, advice and direction 
from dad, from other people. Um, that's, that's critical. That's so important. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where the, if you think of 13, we're entering into adolescence. Well, what happens in adolescence for some, you enter into a period of knowing it all. <laughs> um, and, and I jokingly say that I should sit at my kids' feet and learn from them because they know it all as a, as a teenager. And um, well, that's in that period, it's almost too late to have certain kinds of conversations in that way, unless you've prefaced it. So like I have conversations with my teenagers that I don't think I could have if we hadn't had previous co talks, conversations, outings. Um, even this past week, I went to Costa Rica with my oldest son for a week and a half. Um, it was for dental work. It wasn't actually for fun. We got to have a little bit, a couple of days of fun. But the the conversations we had, it's pulling away from the normal day, you know, everyday life busyness where you tend to have those conversations. And that's an, it's not a good example because it's just me and him. Because one of the things I love about your what you're presenting here in this book is it's other men speaking into your life where they may even say the same thing that dad has said 20 times. But you hear it from that other friend or uncle or grandfather or some key person. So this is such a beautiful model, I believe, that we need to get this out. Parents need to consider it. Again, the website, milestonemanhood.com. You've got the templates for the emails. Uh, this is a very, uh, a very doable thing to think about and to consider. Well, thank you. Well, I will, I'll return the compliment and say that it sounds like you've done an excellent job with your family of having many conversations and touching base, not just once, but dozens of times throughout their lives, if not hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. And that has allowed you to have deep conversations and a deep relationship with your children. So I think that what you're doing, you're doing it the right way too. Thanks. 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 When I actually, when I read this book, I know I was kind of convicted of just, wow, I didn't do this when my I have two boys that are older than 13. And it's like, because I see the power of, again, bringing in the other men into that conversation. And I even remember well, years ago thinking about that because of some other advice from somebody, but not having a template or a framework. And I, I'm thankful that you have written this, you and your dad, and that this is out there. Um, you know, I, I would say to give you some personal advice, I think that you as a father, you have the responsibility to tell your sons, I see you as a, a man now, you know, mm -hmm. your, your boys need to hear that from you. 16 years old and 14 years old, it's not too late. You know, you're still, they're not 13, but they're still very much influenced by you. And I think it would be cool. Um, you could even do a joint rite of passage weekend for both of your boys with men, you know, that are in their lives and tell them both at the same time, you, you are, you're both men in this family. Now, I think that could be, you know, powerful for them as individuals, but also that would be a, a really cool memory for them as brothers. You know, remember that weekend when dad yeah. told us we were both men, you know, like that would be a way for them to bond in their relationship together. They'll, they will carry that with them for the rest of their lives. So I That's think awesome. it's not too late for you. I, I think you could do it as a joint weekend for both of your boys nice and that's important listeners think if you have a son that's older for them to be able to this is not too late um, i would even go as far as saying you have a 17 18 19 year old and you realized hey i've kind of missed this as you said to for it to come out of your mouth as the dad but then to also then be echoed by a, a band of brothers of other key key people this could be really really powerful this, again, is just a template to, to follow um, and to place a starting point that I can, again, I, I look back and feel like I did not have. So that's very helpful to see a good place to start. Yeah, yeah. Already, my wheels You're are already right. turning, kind of thinking about what to do with uh, with my boys. I love that. It's exciting. It It is a template. No two families are exactly the same. I mean, if your listeners pick up a copy of the book and read it and can 
can turn it into their own version of their family's rite of passage. If it, if it doesn't look exactly like ours, it's no skin off my back. You know, I'm totally fine with that. I think I, in fact, I encourage families to turn this into their own family tradition right. and make it appropriate to their own family, because I understand that not every family is going to look exactly like ours. Well, that's the thing about parenting books, like books about kids is most parenting books are actually quite worthless because they are, here's what we did. And every reader goes, but we're not like you. And then now yeah. it's worthless. Um, except one book that I, I strongly recommend was the revolutionary parenting by Barna where he doesn't present. Here's what I did. Cause he, he was actually like, I'm a miserable failure. Uh, <laughs> some of this, he goes, but here's the research. And then the research showed that we aim for our kids getting married or getting out of the house or a college degree or a job. That's our goal. That's a very low goal. Our ultimate goal with raising our children should be that they are champions for Christ. Who they yeah, are. Absolutely. This totally ties into that of what kind of man are you going to be? And if you start that conversation at 13, you have lots of years of influence about what that looks like means mistakes that have been made that you can help correct, um, guide. So that's just a beautiful um, hope testimony from your dad and your grandfather and your family. Um, but as you said, this isn't a cookie cutter, do this. It's meant to be a starting point as you consider this for your family. You know, in a way, I can't believe that I'm saying this because as a teenager, um, I kind of found it to be annoying, but when I was a teenager and my parents gave me more responsibility, you know, more chores, learn how to change the oil in my car, mow the lawn. When they gave me those additional responsibilities, they framed it as you are a man of this family and you need to learn how to do these things because this is going to serve you yeah. when you have your own wife and your own children and your own house and your own cars, you need to learn these things. So I found that at the time it was kind of annoying, you know, because it's like, oh, it just means more. I have to do more things around the house. Yep, yep. I want to be playing video games. But in hindsight, it's like, no, what my parents did, they were they did me a huge favor by teaching me those kind of things, you know, and forming me, molding me. Um, so I think that that's another benefit of this weekend is it, it gives a template for framing those additional responsibilities as the boy develops in his journey in manhood, um, it's not just a statement of authority. You need to right. mow the lawn because I'm your dad and I'm telling you. Yeah. No, it's you need to mow the lawn because you need to learn how to take care of a house because one day you're going to have a house. Yeah. So partnering I think with that's them. another benefit. Exactly. They're partnering with them versus that, that top down only, which is when they're younger. Yeah. yeah. I know my, and, my son's... Um, <laughs> we've had car issues, uh, you know, brakes go out or brakes, pro brake problems or a radiator. Um, and I have my, my boys help me with that. And it takes 10 times longer. <laughs> but I remember my, my middle son trying to get the tire back on after we've done a brake job and he can't get it on and he's mad and he's frustrated. And I'm just like, I'm frustrated with him, but it's yeah. like, how hard do you push? But to see that when they finally do it, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. I did that. Um, but, like that changes you. We still talk about we were stuck on a brake job on one of the vehicles and we could not get something loose. And my son was like, my middle son, what if we stick a jack under the wrench and, and jack up the jack and it slowly and we did it and it worked. And he still to this day is like he was like 11 or 12 at the time. He, he's like, I came up with this idea myself. I was like, you, you see the value of that? And so yeah. that's why these, and, and then here's what it ties to, to me. We, and I, it's something I've talked about a lot lately. We see work as a burden and a curse. If you look back in Genesis, work was part of the garden. Work was pre-fall. Work is a beautiful thing. We are not cursed to work. Work's harder. That's part of the curse. But work is an important thing to take care of your yard, to take care of your vehicles, your house. 
um, to help a neighbor with something work is beautiful. That's not started at 18 or 25. It started at five, actually, younger. Yeah, you know, it makes me think the story of your son, you know, and allowing him to figure it out for himself, you are, you're building his confidence, his, yes. his masculine confidence, I would say, you know, like you said, he was 11 years old when he figured it out and he still talks about it to this day. You yeah. know, he, he probably approaches other problems with a little bit more confidence because he thinks, well, if I could solve that problem three years ago, I could probably solve this bigger problem today. Right. So it builds up his confidence. And two, I think that it pay it will pay dividends as your children continue to grow and mm -hmm. become, you know, adults who are fully supporting themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I think that relationships with kids, um, my observation has been that at some point that, you know, your kids will always be your kids. There's always that sense of authority over them, father-son relationship. There will always be that. But as as kids grow up and move out of the house and get their own career and their own families, the relationship also has to change a little bit to a peer-to-peer -peer relationship. Right. You know, um, I'm 31 years old now. Uh, I have this relationship with my dad where, you know, he is my dad. He'll always be this authority figure in my life. Yep. But I also have, there's an element of our relationship where, we're, we're almost like peers, you know, um, I can call him for advice. I consider him to be a friend, you know, um, he's someone who has raised a family and had kids and he, I can ask for him advice and he turns around and he calls me and he'll ask me for advice, you know, for if he's fixing something around the house or if he nice. has a problem at work, he'll ask me for advice. So I think that they're awesome. that, that sort of, friendship um is built on respect as mm -hmm. children grow up yeah and that switch from authority only almost when they're younger to teenage years where you're kind of partnering with them but you're still the authority to then 20 plus you're moving into a peer-to-peer -peer. some families move that peer-to-peer -to -peer too young they try to be peer-to-peer -peer with their teenager no there needs to yeah. be a partnering but you're still the authority and then in 20 plus, there is a moving to a peer to peer. And I like that picture. That's really, really important. Um, and it's going to change how you get along and how you um, make life decisions, especially if you have someone uh, as a young adult. And then as you old, get older, I'm in, in my late 40s and I still have that relationship with my dad where I can call him anytime, ask for advice. And um, and so thankful for years, years and years ago, I had an 800 number. Where I would, from any payphone anywhere, I could call dad and I could ask for advice back before cell phones. And um, it's just that that's a, a, a game changer. Why so many people don't have those kind of people in their life? Anyone. They have no one to call, to, to, to lean on, to ask for direction on it. And then we need that. That's, again, back to the body of Christ. We need to, as a church, churches, and I don't mean the buildings, the people as people be able to have the community around us um again like as i've said we're away from our family um being able to have people in our community that i can lean on talk to ask for advice that and that's again part of what this milestone to manhood having those other men kind of invited in starts that picture of you don't do this life alone exactly yeah. Well, I am so excited to have met you and to have had this conversation and again, pick up his book, Milestone to Manhood. Um, this could be bought milestone to manhood.com, Amazon, other places as well. Um, what would be some like last advice that you'd give to our listeners? As the last piece of advice, I know I've already said it in the podcast, but um, my my last piece of advice will be that Fathers have the responsibility to tell their sons at the appropriate age, son, I want you to know in my eyes, I no longer cons consider you, I no longer see you to be a boy, but I consider you to be a man now. 
And that if every father in this country told his son that, then this country and this world would be a much better place. I love that. That's so, so helpful and so valuable. So thank you. Great, Stephen, meeting you and and having this conversation. Uh, Bless you in your journey with your kids. And I call my kids my experiments. So bless you in your experiments as we as as husbands and dads, as we love our our kids to the best of our ability. May they know Christ. May they love Christ. May they be lights in this world. Uh, and I think this is a tradition that your family and legacy that that's going to carry on way beyond your your dad, your grandfather, you. Um, I'm thankful to have met you. So thank you. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Corey. It's been an honor to be on your show. Pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It's been an honor to serve. If you're struggling and in need, Dr. Gilbert provides a free consultation for new clients. Check out his website at healinglives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages touched, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more help and resources, check out Dr. Gilbert's website for books, courses, and more trainings at healinglives.com. Bless you and your family and all God wants to do in and through you. Remember, your marriage and family are worth fighting for. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert. See you next time.